Now, Sharon says that when she walked out into the balcony and saw Brittany, she was immediately frightened. Brittany was lying on the patio trying to catch her breath. Sharon told her, baby, get up. But all Brittany replied was, mommy, I can't catch my breath. Help me, help me. At one point, she even told her mom, I'm dying, I'm going to die. Mommy, I love you. Hey everyone, welcome back to What Happened with Jackie Flores. I'm Jackie and I'm super, super excited that you guys are here listening to episode 18 of my new podcast. So today we're gonna be talking about a case that is truly a mystery. It just left me with so many questions and while doing the research for this case, I just felt really sad because I really love this actress. So diving deep into her life and into her death was just very eerie. But this video has been highly requested and so many people just wanna know, you know, what actually happened to her. Today we're gonna be talking about what happened to actress Brittany Murphy. I'm sure a lot of you guys know who she is, especially if you're a Clueless fan. We're going to be talking about her childhood, how she got into acting, her marriage, her personal life, and about her death. So there's a lot of information to go over, so let's just jump right in and let's talk about what happened to Brittany Murphy. Brittany Murphy was born on November 10th, 1977 in Atlanta, Georgia to her mother, Sharon Kathleen Murphy, and to her father, Angelo Joseph Bertolitti. Now, her father was of Italian ancestry and her mother had an Irish and Slovak background. She grew up Baptist, but she later became a non-denominational Christian. Now, as for her siblings, she has two half-brothers who are older than her, and then she also has a younger half-sister. Now, these are from her dad's side of the family, so as for the relationship between her mother, Sharon, and her father, Angelo, Brittany was her only child. Now, her dad, Angelo, wasn't really in her life. He was heavily involved in organized crime, and he spent his life in and out of prison. So because of that, Brittany's parents divorced when she was just two years old, and they were living in Edison, New Jersey at the time, and, you know, things were hard. Sharon was doing all of this with no help from the father, so they were struggling financially, and it was to the point where they were pretty much eating spaghetti for dinner on multiple nights because that's all they could afford. Brittany even had to beg her mom to buy her clothes at Kmart. You know, it was just a lot that the two of them had to go through and at one point Sharon actually battled cancer twice and Brittany was there for her the entire time. So imagine raising a child all on your own, struggling financially, and then battling cancer. It's just a lot for anyone to handle but Sharon wanted Brittany to have the best childhood and the best life possible and she was determined to do anything to make her child happy. One way she did this was by letting Brittany perform. She was always interested in acting and performing ever since she was a little kid so Sharon decided to enroll Brittany in Vern Flowers School of Dance and Theater in Colonia, New Jersey when she was just five years old. At this dance school, she was taking musical theater, tap, jazz, ballet, and vocal lessons. And she did all of this until she was in her early teens. So, you know, from a very young age, she was already developing all these talents and just working on her creativity. Her teachers at school say that she was very electric on stage and that she was just a bundle of energy. When Brittany was five years old, it was obvious that she had the potential to go far in this industry. She sang Irving Berlin's Oh How I Hate to Get Up in the Morning in a concert where students sang songs about World War II. So she sang this very young and her teacher says that she just looked really tiny on stage and she was really tiny so she couldn't reach the mic so they actually had to put a box for her to stand on and it was just like a really cute thing and her performance was a hit. She was just a very talented little girl. I mean she could sing, she could dance, she could act and on top of just being very talented she was also a very 
very sweet person. Now, as for Brittany's mother, Sharon, the teachers at the school describe her as a very devoted mother to her daughter's career, and they say that she would just shuttle Brittany back and forth to all of her lessons several times a week. So she was devoted to making sure that she was there for her daughter and that her daughter was doing whatever made her happy. Brittany and Sharon had a super close relationship. In her own words, they pretty much grew up together. They would finish each other's sentences, they were both bright and bubbly, and their relationship just never changed. To everyone on the outside, it seemed like Sharon was a supportive and loving mother. So let's talk about how Britney kicked off her career. When she was just nine years old, she got her first acting gig, and this was a role starring in a local musical theater production of Really Rosie. The musical went really well, and after this, Britney realized that this is what she wanted to do. You know, she wanted to perform for the rest of her life, and she asked her mother to help her get some headshots, hire a manager, and she even asked her to drive her to Manhattan for auditions. Now, at first, her mom didn't really want to agree to this, but when Britney was 12 years old, her mother finally said, okay, yes, let's do it. And Britney immediately got so many auditions for big commercials for brands such as Oreos, for Skittles, for pizza brands, everything. One of her childhood friends named Cena came out and said that Britney never bragged about the opportunities that she was getting. You know, she wasn't the most popular girl in school, like you would assume. You know, this little girl is in all these commercials. She's acting in musicals. You would think that she would be popular because of this, but that wasn't really the case. She never really talked about the roles that she got because she didn't want people to think that she was better than anyone else. And I feel like that shows a lot about her character. You know, when you're 12 years old and you start acting and you're like on TV, I feel like it's not crazy to think that you go out there and like try to brag about it and try to be like the coolest person in town with all of your classmates. So the fact that she was very humble about this at such a young age is really good to hear. Now, things just seem to be going well for Britney. And of course, her mother, Sharon, was very supportive of all of her daughter's dreams. She wanted her to succeed in life. So in 1991, when Britney was 14, Sharon made the decision to move out to Los Angeles, California, so that Britney could really pursue a career in acting. And that decision paid off. That same year, Britney got her first big break as a regular on Drexel's Class, which was a hit sitcom. Now, from there, she went on to appear briefly in guest star roles on other shows such as Murphy Brown and Boy Meets World, and she even got the chance to work on movies with stars like Bruce Willis. Now, while all of this is happening, she's balancing working on set, and she's also going to high school. Because remember, she's only 14 years old, so she still has to go to school, and she was attending classes at the John Burroughs High School in Burbank, California. A couple of years went by, and when she was 18 years old, she got her big break. This is when she landed the role as Ty in the 1995 movie Clueless, which is literally one of my favorite movies ever. I will literally show this movie to everybody that I know, and I've made my fiance watch it like a million times because it is just such a good movie. I remember when I first watched it, I just like became obsessed with Britney, and I just started looking up all of these interviews of her and just following along her journey because I thought she did such a wonderful job in the movie and that she was so beautiful. I mean, this was her big break and you would think that she would be happy about this and feel like she's on top of the world, but she actually felt the opposite. This role made Britney feel really insecure because now she had a lot of people's attention and she had a lot of eyes on her, which I feel like I can understand if you were doing just like local commercials and local musicals and just like small appearances on shows and then all of a sudden you were in this huge, massively successful 
movie, I feel like I would probably be scared. I would be like, okay, now I'm in the big leagues now. Like everyone's looking at me and like I'm the real deal. So of course she felt different. But to add to that, she was also receiving really hurtful and harmful feedback from producers and agents saying that she just didn't have the right look. An example of what was said to her was that her agent told her that she was, quote, huggable, but not fuckable. Yes, people actually told her that, which is so disturbing that someone would actually tell an 18-year-old girl that. They're basically saying that if she wants to get more lead roles in a film, she needs to look more fuckable. Can you imagine saying that to an 18-year-old girl? Well, after hearing all of these comments, this led Britney to give herself an extreme makeover. She lost a lot of weight. She also dyed her hair blonde, which a lot of people felt like was her trying to fit into like the typical Hollywood stereotype of like the blonde skinny girl. After her new look, Britney continued on with her career and she went on to star in movies like Girl Interrupted, Eight Miles, Sin City, Uptown Girls, and many more. Okay, Girl Interrupted and Uptown Girls are such good movies, especially Uptown Girls if you want like a funny comfort movie that kind of makes you cry at the same time. That is like the perfect movie for you. She looked absolutely gorgeous in the movie and Dakota Fanning was just so good. So you guys should definitely go watch this movie after you finish this video. Now, after this, she kind of established herself as like a real Hollywood star and many thought that her career was only going to get bigger from there. Now, while she was rising to fame, her father, Angelo, who again was absent from her life, showed up. He tried to come back into her life when she was making a lot of money and Sharon says that, you know, even though he was trying to be there for her, Britney saw him for who he was and she just didn't want anything to do with him. So she didn't really talk to him and like usual, it was pretty much just Britney and Sharon on their own. They were a team and any auditions for movies that Britney had to go to, Sharon would go with her to support her and just be there for her. So for a time, you know, Britney was very focused on her acting career and she didn't really date anybody. However, in 2002, that did change. Britney filmed a movie called Just Married with her co-star Ashton Kutcher. Well, they actually started dating after the movie premiered and they were really cute together, but their relationship only lasted about five months. After this, she briefly dated Eminem after they also did a movie together. And then in 2004, she actually got engaged to a man named Jeff, who was a talent manager. Now that engagement did not last long. And then in 2005, she got engaged again to a man named Joe, who was a production assistant on her film Little Black Book, but that engagement did not last either. Then in 2006, Britney started a relationship with a man named Simon Monjak, who was a British screenwriter and was recently divorced from his first wife. Now, Britney had actually met Simon in 1994 when she was just 17 years old. So he says that he was a part-time photographer and that he took a picture of Britney one time. And from that moment, they kind of had like a connection, but that it was a friendly connection. Because again, she was only 17 years old at the time and he he was very patient and watched her from afar all these years as she grew up and dated other men, which is really weird that they met at 17. I don't know if it's true what he's saying that they only had a friendly relationship. A lot of people have doubts about that. What's crazy is that Britney didn't even date that many people, but like Hollywood really dug in on her relationships and they made it seem like she had like was passed around. Like I was watching an interview with Ashton Kutcher and they were asking him about his relationship with Britney and the commentators were like, oh yeah, like your girlfriend has been passed around a lot like you better go get checked like all these terrible things and I'm like no one says that about men when they date a lot of people but because she dated multiple people in Hollywood she was deemed kind of like an easy girl now, according to Simon, him and Britney did not start a romantic relationship until a few years later, and they only dated for a few months before getting married in May of 2007 in a private Jewish ceremony in Los Angeles. 
And this really shocked Britney's friends. So a friend and fellow actress named Kathy Najimy, who was Britney's co-star at the time, was really scared and freaked out when she found out about Simon. I mean, she was thinking to herself, who is this guy? What was happening? And why did they get married so quickly? Kathy and just many other people in her circle were concerned that their relationship was moving way too fast. And they wondered if Simon had married Britney for legal reasons, not because of love. No, they think that maybe they got married so that he wouldn't get deported back to the UK. And the reason they thought this is because Simon had just spent nine days in jail in February of 2007 for deportation charges because his visa had expired. So a lot of people were wondering, you know, maybe he did marry Britney just for his visa. But despite everyone's concerns, Britney said that marrying Simon was the easiest decision that she had ever made and that she loved him. Brittany also might have felt protective over Simon or like, you know, he needed her because he actually had some health issues. Simon would have seizures and Brittany would have to hold him down so that he didn't injure himself. So Brittany and Simon lived together in the West Hollywood Hills in a house that Brittany had bought in 2003 for $3.9 million. Now, what's weird is that she actually bought this house from Britney Spears and from Justin Timberlake. And when she lived there with Simon, Brittany's mother, Sharon, also lived with them. I mean, they were pretty much inseparable. So it was the three of them living in this big house. Now, apparently, Brittany didn't really like the house or Los Angeles. She actually wanted to move to New York to start a family. And just in general, she never wanted to be at the home. And she would sometimes just book hotels for her to sleep in. Now, going back to Brittany's career, things were going really well at the start. You know, she did Clueless. She did Uptown Girls. She was getting all of these big movies. But as she got into her 30s, the role started to get smaller and smaller. You know, she was now only booking smaller budget movies rather than big studio, you know, Oscar type movies, which was really upsetting for her because she wanted to be a serious actor and establish her name. But now it was getting harder and harder for her to land roles. She was even dropped from big movies like Happy Feet 2, Tinkerbell and The Expandables. Now, as for why she got dropped from some of these movies, we'll get into a little bit later. But I feel like she would have been the perfect Tinkerbell. Now, during this time, Britney began losing even more weight. And there was also rumors going around that she was using drugs and that she was behaving erratically on set. If you watch some of her final interviews, something does look a little bit off. You know, she looks really tired and even one of her makeup artists from a movie set came out and said that Britney's eyes just looked really sunken and that she just looked sick. Now, Britney's friends and co-workers describe her as naive, bubbly, and childlike. She also loved to write poetry, look for clothes in magazines, and sing to herself. They also said that she was very kind, like I was watching an interview, I forgot the actress's name, but she was in Orange is a New Black, and they did a movie together and she said that when she arrived on set, Britney had left her little letter welcoming her to the set and congratulating her for getting the role and she was like, no one else has ever done this. Like, no other actors are nice enough to give me a gift and, like, be nice to their co-workers, but that's just how kind and sweet Britney was. So now let's fast forward to December 20th, 2009, the day of this terrible tragedy. At around three o'clock in the morning, the power had returned after a 45 minute blackout to the Hollywood Hills area where 32 year old Brittany Murphy lived. Now at this time, Brittany was not doing well. She had been sick for a couple of days and she actually had like flu-like symptoms and she even had laryngitis. So for the past few days, she had just been pretty much resting. She was laying down on the couch in the living room, eating soup and just watching TV and 
trying to feel better. She actually called a doctor about this and she booked an appointment to go see the doctor for a few days later. So early that morning, Brittany woke up and she wasn't feeling well. She just felt like she couldn't breathe, so she decided to go onto the balcony to get some fresh air. Her husband Simon was there and she told him to go get her mom because her stomach really hurt and she just wanted her mom to be there. So Simon goes over to Sharon and they come back to the balcony. Now, Sharon says that when she walked out into the balcony and saw Brittany, she was immediately frightened. Brittany was lying on the patio trying to catch her breath. Sharon told her, baby, get up. But all Brittany replied was, mommy, I can't catch my breath. Help me, help me. At one point, she even told her mom, I'm dying. I'm going to die. Mommy, I love you. Now, Simon and Sharon did not call an ambulance at that moment, which is very upsetting because I feel like if someone is telling you that they're going to die and that they can't breathe, I feel like you should just call an ambulance right away. But Simon and Sharon felt like Brittany could sometimes be dramatic, so they didn't really take her complaints too seriously. Simon and Brittany had actually practiced their own version of holistic medicine, so going to the hospital wasn't the first thing that they thought of doing. You know, Brittany was even asking Simon if she could use his oxygen that he he needed for his own medical conditions, but Simon said that her heart could stop with the oxygen, which I checked and that is true. Now, Sharon says that not long after this, Simon had a quote, long, horrific seizure. So that's when she decided to make Brittany some hot tea with ginger and lemon because her lips looked really parched, like she looked like she was dehydrated. Then at 7.30 in the morning, Brittany decided to go to her bathroom because she still didn't feel well. According to Simon, the bathroom was like Brittany's safe space. You know, that's where she felt the most comfortable, so she went into the bathroom with her mother. They were in there for about 30 minutes and Brittany was sitting down when all of a sudden she said, mommy, please hug me. Sharon says that she got up to give Brittany the hug and that's when Brittany collapsed on the floor. Sharon immediately screamed for Simon and he ran into the bathroom and they moved Brittany into the shower to try to wake her up. They say that Brittany did wake up and that she just began to throw up. Her lips were turning blue from a lack of oxygen and Simon yelled at Sharon to call 911. So she did. And this is that 911 call. Fire Department 97, what's the address of the emergency? 1895 Rising Glen Road. What's the phone number you're calling from? Three. Tell me exactly what happened. Oh, somebody's passed out. Somebody what? Oh, somebody's, my daughter's passed out. She's, she's, they're doing, doing mouth to mouth. Please get oh, here oh, quick, okay. please. Okay, okay, all right, we're going to. How old is your daughter? She's 30, please help. She's 30? Okay, she's with you now? Yes, there's someone coming. Yeah, ma'am, you don't have to yell. We're going to send somebody out there, okay? Please. Is she awake? Please, no. Is she breathing? No. Okay, so somebody's doing mouth to mouth? Yes. Okay, all right. Did, ma'am, did somebody see what happened? No. no. Okay, listen to me carefully. Is there a defibrillator available? <laughs> Is there a defibrillator available? Defibrillator, do we have any? No. Okay, listen to me carefully. We're on our way. I'm going to give you instructions. Are you right by her now? Yes, yes. Are you right by her now? Yes, her husband Okay, listen is. carefully. I want you to lay her on her back. She is already. On the floor. She is already. And no pillows under the head. Remove any pillows. Is there any, okay? No pillows under the head. No, no pillows under the head. Okay. okay. Now, I want you to take a look inside of her mouth. Is there anything? Kneel next to her and look inside her, her mouth and check for food or she vomit. She up tons of stuff. Is tons there? and tons of water. Okay, turn her on to the Cold side. Water. Cup turn her to the side and wipe out her mouth and nose. Is, wipe out her mouth and nose. Is there anything in her mouth? Yes. Is there anything in her mouth now? Oh, my God. Is there anything in her mouth? God. Is there anything in her mouth, ma'am? I don't think so. Okay, listen to me carefully. Place your hand on her forehead and your other hand under her neck and tilt her head back. Place your hand under her forehead, the other hand.
Judge on your neck and tilt her head back. Put your ear next to her mouth. Put your ear next to her mouth. Can you feel her hear any breathing? Can you feel her hear any breathing? <laughs> Can you feel her hear any breathing? <laughs> yes or no, ma'am? Hello? 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 Just a minute, please. It just takes a, a second. Can you feel her hear any breathing? Can you hear anything, Simon? Yes or no? Yes or no? No. Okay, all right, listen to me carefully. I'm going to tell you how to do compressions, okay? okay. 600 times, okay? Just keep doing compressions, okay, until help can take over. <laughs> Let the chest come all the way up between pumps. Count it, count out loud so I can I can count with you, okay? Count out loud. I want to hear. It's, it's got to be at this rate, like one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Keep going at that rate. That's too slow. Too slow. Too slow. Okay, he's slowish. You've got to be a little faster than that. He's counting every other pump. He's got to count each pump. One, two. He's counting those pumps. Count each pump. Count each pump. Is the door open, ma'am? Is the door open? Um, no. I'll go get it. <laughs> we have to open the gate. Okay. You, he, somebody has to keep pumping on her chest. Okay, he is. If he, he can, is. stop, okay? Stop it. Don't. And count them out loud so I can count with you. Count out loud. Uh, okay. I don't hear I can't hear him, ma'am. Keep pumping. He's not counting anymore. He's pumping. Trust me. Okay, <laughs> but I need to know where, how, where he's at about. What number are you at, honey? Clara, what number is daddy at? <laughs> ma'am, ma'am, ma'am. Okay, he's got to count out loud so I can I need, hear. He's probably at 200. No, he's probably like at about 100 right now. So take him to keep pumping. It's got to be 1, <laughs> 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7. Three, I don't hear him five, pumping, ma'am. 7, that's the rhythm. 3, 4, 5, 6, 7. 3, 4, 5, that, That's a little too quick, ma'am. Oh, no, it's a little too quick. Ma'am, I can't hear him pumping. I need to know where he's at, okay? Some people find this call odd. You know, Simon wasn't really listening to the instructions that well, and the whole thing is just a little bit chaotic. Now, once first responders arrived, Brittany was taken to Cedar Sinai Medical Center, and Simon and Sharon followed behind in a car. But unfortunately, Brittany's condition did not improve, and she actually went into cardiac arrest. At 10.04 in the morning, Brittany was officially pronounced dead. 
Now, when the doctors went to tell Sharon and Simon about this, they just could not believe it. I mean, their hearts immediately shattered. They cried so much and they just didn't understand how this had happened. When the public heard about Britney's death, they were just as shocked. She was only 32 years old. You know, that's such a young age and she was just loved by so many people. So this really hurt the public's hearts. Her co-star and ex, Ashton Kutcher, came out and made a statement that said, Today, the world lost a little piece of sunshine. My deepest condolences go out to Britney's family, her husband, and her amazing mother, Sharon. See you on the other side. Alicia Silverstone from Clueless also came out, and she remembered Britney by sharing her feelings about the connection that the two had shared. She said, I'm so saddened to hear this news. I loved working with Britney. She was so talented, so warm, and so sweet. I always felt connected to her as we shared a very special experience in our lives together. I feel love in my heart for her, and I hope that she's at peace. I mean, so many other people came out and spoke about Britney's death and about how she was such a wonderful person. She had her entire life ahead of her. Again, she was only 32 years old, and for her to just suddenly die, people had questions about this. Now, initially, Simon did not want an autopsy to be done. He says that it's not because he was Jewish, it's because he just didn't want to cut her open. Just a few weeks after her death, Simon and Sharon made an appearance in which Simon expressed how an autopsy was not needed. He said that he didn't want her beautiful body violated. He specifically said, quote, her pristine body, curvy in all the right places, with skin like silk. How could I say, cut it up? And it's just really crazy to me because her death is at that point a total mystery. So how do you not want to know what actually happened to your wife? And the interview was just really weird. A lot of people have their opinions about Sharon and Simon's behavior during this. One thing that people noticed is that Sharon was telling Larry King how her daughter passed away. And she was telling him how Brittany told her, Mommy, I'm going to die. Larry King was like, what? Like, Brittany knew she was going to die? Why did she say that? And Sharon starts crying and she's like, yeah, I mean, she told me that about an hour before she actually died. And then that's when Simon quickly like interrupts her and grabs her and is like, no, baby, that was you've, you've forgotten time, which a lot of people found weird. You know, the fact that he called her baby, I just I don't know, like, why would you call your mother in law baby? And the fact that like her timeline is confused. It was just really weird. So I will link that interview under my YouTube video if you guys want to check it out for yourselves. But anyways, going back to Simon, he believed that Britney had died of a broken heart because of the way that she was treated by Hollywood. He believed that members of Hollywood had started these rumors about her professionalism, about her drug use, and that they did this to to destroy her career, which is weird because Britney was still working at the time and the reasons that she sometimes wasn't weren't due to anything that she did, but again, we'll get into that a little bit later. Now, witnesses from the hospital said that Simon seemed spaced and clearly on a lot of medication. And I was watching an interview with a, I think it was a paramedic or detective that arrived to the house the day that Brittany died. And they also felt like Simon looked intoxicated. Like he was pacing back and forth in the house and just acting really weird. Now, even though he did not want an autopsy to be done, it was still done. It was overruled by the Los Angeles County Coroner's Office who insisted that one needed to be done. You know, Brittany was 32 years old. She didn't have any life-threatening illnesses. I mean, there was no reason for someone her age to just die out of nowhere. Things definitely seemed suspicious. So on December 21st, the autopsy was done. The coroner found no evidence of a traumatic injury and her cause of death was ruled to be community-acquired pneumonia and the stated contributing factors were listed as iron deficiency anemia and multiple drug intoxication. It also said that she had complained of shortness of breath and abdominal pain for seven to 10 days 
prior to her death. Brittany also had a history of diabetes and she had been hospitalized for an episode of hypoglycemia in the past. It also mentioned her history of having mitral valve prolapse, which is a treatable heart condition that she was diagnosed with when she was just a teenager. So going back to the drugs found in her system, she had a couple. So let's go through the list. She had chlorophenuramine, fluoxetine, norfluoxetine, propranol, chlorodized peroxide, diazepam, amphetamine, codeine, hydrocodone, and morphine all in her blood test. So that might all sound like a lot, but these were determined to be prescription type drugs with some being the ingredients commonly found in cold medication. But 90 prescription drug bottles were found in Simon's bedside table. Some of them were his, some of them were Britney's, and some of them had random names on them. It was just all really weird, but the explanation for all of these prescription drug bottles was because a few weeks before Britney died, Simon and Sharon had gotten sick, which was mentioned in her autopsy. Six weeks before her death, Britney went to Puerto Rico to film a low-budget thriller called The Caller. Her mother, Sharon, and her husband both came with her, but Britney only went to set for one day before getting kicked off the project. Press releases came out saying that she was fired because Simon was drunk on set making a scene, and when the security tried to remove him, Britney defended him, I guess trying to have him not be removed, and because of that, she was fired. However, Simon's lawyers came after the production company, and a new press release came out saying that it was all mutual. Now, Britney, Sharon, and Simon actually stayed in Puerto Rico for 10 days after she was fired, since they were supposed to be there for that long anyways. During this trip, both Sharon and Simon got very sick, but Britney didn't. Then on the flight home, Simon was so sick that they actually had to land the plane early so that he could go to the hospital. It was determined that Britney caught whatever illness that they had, and because of her medical history, she just wasn't able to fight it off. Although it is believed that if Britney had seen a doctor before that, her illness could have been treated. She actually had a doctor's appointment booked for just a few days after the day she died. Now, it's also weird, like the 90 prescription bottles, like 90 is a lot, especially if you were just like sick like a few weeks ago. I feel like I've never seen someone have 90 prescription bottles, even if they're like super sick from a cold. So the fact that they had so many bottles and then some of the names weren't Brittany or Simon's names, it's like, why? Like whose names were those? Why were they there? Were they someone else's bottles? Were they using fake names to get more prescriptions? It's just all very confusing to people. So after her death, people immediately thought that maybe Simon was responsible. Now in Brittany's will, it turned out that she left nothing to Simon. She actually left everything that she had to her mother, Sharon. And this is really crazy to me because Simon lived off of Britney and she knew that. So nothing was left to him, but Simon continued to live in Britney's house. He actually lived there with her mother, Sharon. And that's when there were a lot of rumors going around that maybe something romantic was going on between them. People even speculated that they were sleeping together and had some type of relationship before Britney even died. They had also allegedly started sleeping in the same bed in the master bedroom. Now, people started looking at the Larry King interview when Simon called Sharon baby again, and everyone kind of just started putting like different pieces together. And a lot of people truly feel like they did have a romantic relationship. And everyone wondered, you know, if that had something to do with Britney's death. People started digging deeper into who Simon really was. So let's go over these findings. Right after Britney's death, Simon started the Britney Murphy Foundation. He was planning an event and he actually started selling tickets that cost between $1,000 and $10,000. However, it turns out that he actually never registered the foundation, so it wasn't a legitimate charity. And when the news came out about this, he returned the money to everyone who had bought in tickets and he canceled the event. So everyone was like, 
okay, if he hadn't been called out about this, would he have ever returned the money? Then Simon began to write a tell-all book about Britney, which I understand, you know, some partners do that when their loved one dies. You know, maybe it's their way to cope and just tell their story, but people still felt like it was just a little bit icky that he was doing that. It was also revealed that throughout their marriage, Simon had put pressure on Britney to lose weight and get plastic surgery. The coroner said that to develop the level of anemia that Britney had, she had to have not been eating at all. On top of that, Simon refused to take Britney to the doctor, even though she had complained about being sick for days before her death. Simon had followed, you know, the classic patterns of coercive control in this relationship with Britney. Now, for those of you who don't know, coercive control is a strategic form of ongoing psychological and emotional abuse that is based on control, manipulation, and oppression. So, Simon had cut Britney off from everyone, all her old friends, and even her professional team. He took over her email account, he had her get rid of her cell phone, and he took complete control of her money. He even fired Britney's entire professional team and became the sole manager of her acting career, as well as Britney's business manager. There were also allegations that Simon had insisted on doing Britney's makeup for a movie that she started in 2009. And Simon wasn't a makeup artist, like, at all. And typically in movies, people, you know, wear more makeup than normal, and it's important that it looks good on camera. I mean, there's a reason that people practice for years and they go to school for makeup for TV. So the fact that he would go do her makeup on movies is really odd like did he really just want to control every aspect of her life and be with her in every moment and he also would go with her on set for the movies which is really weird i mean britney's at work so there's really no need for your partner to be there just watching now on top of all of that during one of britney's movies she was supposed to be in a sex scene and she told the director that she would only act in a sex scene if it was with her husband obviously that made no sense for the movie and britney was about to be fired and replaced in the movie but when simon heard this he allowed her to do the scene. So remember, Simon said that Britney was losing jobs because people in the industry started rumors about her. Well, after hearing all of this, it seems more likely that she was losing jobs because of him, because he was controlling and just always had to be there. Now, on top of this, Simon had also spent about $3 million of Britney's money in three years. Now, after her death, Sharon had asked her publicist to pawn the jewelry that Simon had gifted Britney throughout her relationship, and she wanted to get some money to kind of pay for her bills. So the publicist had the items appraised, and they turned out to be fake and worthless. So Simon basically lived off Britney, and even the gifts that he was giving her were cheap. Now, when confronted about this, Simon says that he had his own money and that he didn't depend on Britney, that he was, you know, working on scripts and had his own projects going, but no one really believes that. He also hid from Britney the fact that he had two secret children with other women. He had a daughter named Jasmine in England and a son named Elijah in Paris. Simon had apparently proposed to a woman named Elizabeth Ragsdale. Now, she came out and she spoke about her relationship with Simon and said that he was very manipulative. He basically isolated her and he claimed that he thought he had cancer so that she would get pregnant so like if they were about to like be intimate you know sometimes elizabeth wouldn't want to do that and he would kind of just like play the cancer card and tell her like oh well i have cancer like i don't know how long i have left and then that would kind of like convince her to make love to him Now, when Elizabeth was pregnant, she had a very difficult pregnancy and she actually needed medical help during this, but Simon refused to give it to her. And then he just abandoned her without a word, which is crazy. Like he literally just changed his phone number. He didn't answer her calls, nothing. While she was pregnant, you guys, he literally abandoned a pregnant woman. Now he eventually got in touch with her in 2007 after he became engaged to Brittany and he offered to buy her a house so that she could keep quiet about their history and about the fact that they had a son together so that Brittany would never find out about this. 
this. So Elizabeth says that she knows how manipulative Simon can be and that that's why Brittany chose him because he worked his spell on her and she fell for it just like Elizabeth had. Like, hearing all of that is crazy to me. I mean, Brittany married this man thinking that she knew him, but he had a whole secret life out there. I mean, he had two kids out there that she had no idea about. It's really sad that, you know, he manipulated it and lied to her so much. Now, details about the extent of Brittany's substance abuse also came out after she died. Brittany was often seen high and glassy-eyed on set and at industry events. Brittany and Simon would apparently stay up all night doing downers and then take stimulants in the morning to stop from being exhausted. Both Simon and Sharon disputed these claims, and they said that Brittany had chronic pain after suffering from a car accident and that she had to rely on prescription drugs for most of her adult life and that she wasn't a drug addict. Sharon also added that Brittany suffered from a heart condition, so she wouldn't have been able to take any hard drugs without seriously endangering her health. During their late night binges, Simon would take these like really creepy photos of Brittany in which he would dress her up like a doll. But also before Britney's death, Simon had apparently gotten really paranoid. He had a ton of cameras on the property, and in the documentary on HBO, you can actually get like a little tour of the of the home so a reporter goes there and she's videotaping the house with simon and she sees all of the security cameras that they have and she's kind of confused like why do they have so many cameras yes it could be because she's famous and they probably want to make sure like no one's in the house but to the journalist it kind of seemed like simon wanted all of these cameras so that he could always be watching britney and see what she was doing at all times it's just really crazy because people in hollywood often referred to simon as simon konjak instead of monjak because he had so many lawsuits against him and he was in debt before he met Britney. Also, it is possible that maybe he did rush the wedding since his visa had expired. So prior to marrying Britney, Simon had told people that he was a billionaire because his grandfather founded British Steel. He also said that he had dated Madonna and that he had a collection of 17 Ferraris. Simon also once convinced everyone around him that he had spinal cancer. And this story was debunked by his mother, Linda, who said that her son had developed paranoia after being scared by his father father's death from cancer. So she thinks that he didn't lie to people about having cancer, but that he genuinely believed he had it. He also told people at one point that he had been dying of brain cancer until he had purchased a treatment made of shark fins that saved his life. As you can see, he's just kind of weird. Like all of these things were later confirmed to be complete lies. So he just liked to manipulate people and kind of give them like sob stories. Now, Simon's ex-wife had also sued him and won $50,000, but she said that Simon never paid her that money. A woman Simon met in 1999 in London wrote a letter to the FBI stating that Simon was a very manipulative con man. She said that he had defrauded and hurt people, including his own family, and that Simon even admitted this to the woman. Now, the director of the movie Factory Girl also said that Simon had nothing to do with the movie, and the reason that he came out and said that is because Simon had made a legal claim stating that the script was stolen from him and that he deserved a writing credit. Well, the director ended up having to settle with him because he was holding them in court, which prevented their production from finishing. In 2006, Simon was sued for $470,000, and he also had two arrest warrants out for him in Virginia for credit card fraud. From 1997 to 2006, he was evicted from four different homes. People had apparently tried to warn Brittany about all of this, you know, about the fact that he was a con man and that people knew about this and that he just wasn't a good person, but Brittany decided to just stay with him. So yeah, that's kind of like a brief history of Simon and about all of his cons and his history with the law everything so by all of that we can tell that Simon just was not 
the greatest person. Now, going back to Simon and Sharon, they had become really close after Britney's death, and they actually slept clinging to each other to apparently help with processing their grief. They even did a photo shoot together after Britney's death that featured Sharon and Simon holding hands and just staring into each other's eyes. The pictures are really weird. I'll put them right here so you guys can see, but everything about this photo shoot was really weird, and seeing those photos made the fans start to really speculate about their relationship. And you know, considering everything that we know about Simon now, it does seem possible that maybe Simon manipulated Sharon into being able to stay in Britney's house. So then on February 25th, 2010, Britney's death was officially ruled accidental, meaning that the investigation into what happened had ended. Even though it was officially ruled an accident, fans of Britney and just people in general still felt like something was off. A lot of people didn't think that it was an accident and that Britney had been killed. And again, a lot of people's suspicions were directed towards the husband, Simon. Based on the history of the relationship and just based on the fact that he didn't want Britney to have an autopsy, people just started to look at him a little bit differently. However, that all changed when five months and three days after Britney's death, on May 23rd, 2010, Simon also died in the same house and in the same exact way. He was officially pronounced dead at 9.45 p.m. So Simon was found dead in Sharon's bed and his cause of death was also acute pneumonia with the same contributing factor of severe anemia. Now in his systems, he had Sulexa, Cymbalta, and Desiree, which are all antidepressants. He also had Valium and Ativan, which are anxiety medications. He also had Vicodin, Lyrica, and Tylenol in his system, which are all pain medications, as well as Indrol, which is a commonly taken for high blood pressure, chest pain, or for disorders that affect heart rhythm. Now, Sharon claimed that the house had mold and that that's what she believed killed Brittany and Simon. But it is really interesting that Sharon wouldn't also get sick from the mold if she was living in the house. On top of that, she was older than the two of them, so it would make more sense that the mold would affect her more, not the younger people. Now, mold could also explain Simon's paranoia behavior and Brittany's weight loss. However, the coroner has insisted that there's no way toxic mold played a factor, but still, the house was checked for mold and other environmental factors just in case, but none were found. Regardless of this, Sharon sued the builders of the house in 2013 and they settled for $600,000. But Sharon wasn't the only parent who had a theory of what happened. In January of 2012, Brittany's dad, Angelo, sued the Los Angeles County Department of Coroner, claiming that the autopsy they did of Brittany wasn't accurate. He wanted an independent lab to test Brittany because he believed that she was poisoned. But then Angelo and his attorney failed to follow up on the claims. They had hardly filed any motions about it, and then they failed to actually show up to court. So because of all of this, the Superior Court judge dismissed the case. Then Angelo and a woman named Julia Davis came out saying that they believed Brittany and Simon's death had to do with the government interference and that there were some type of major cover-up job. Yeah, it's going to get a little bit weird. It's going to get a little bit complicated, but let me explain to you guys who Julia is and how she claims she was connected to Brittany. So Julia is a government whistleblower from the USSR who then moved to the US and worked as a stunt double. Yeah, really weird. And she was successful at this. You know, she was even Angelina Jolie's stunt double for a movie. So she was working on some big movies in the industry. She got married to an American 
American man named BJ, and he was involved in the Hollywood scene as well. So Julia ended up switching careers and started working as a customs and border protection officer at the San Ysidro Port of Entry in San Diego. Now, the reason that she's a whistleblower is because on July 4th, 2004, she and her other Border Patrol co-workers were informed that the government was expecting some terrorist group members to enter the U.S. from that border entry. And on July 4th, Julia saw 23 people who were on the list of high alert people being just let through the border with all the protocol being ignored. So Julia went to her bosses and she told them about what was happening, but she was actually fired for this. And then after this, Julia said that her family and friends were under land and air surveillance. She claims that their phone lines were tapped and that they were even served warrants for search and seizures. I know it all sounds a little bit crazy, like it just seems very random, but as to how Julia was connected to Britney, well, she claims that they were actually very good friends and that Britney spoke out about the mistreatment that Julia received from the government and that as a result for speaking out, Britney and Simon were also put on an FBI watch list. After her death, Angelo and Julia teamed up together because they truly believed that Britney's death was not an accident and that she had been killed. So they went public with this information and with this theory. Julia and her husband decided to make a documentary about this, which was released in 2012, and it was called Top Priority, The Terror Within. The documentary said that they were both afraid that they were being watched by helicopters and that their phones were tapped. And a journalist said that Simon contacted him about being watched. And then just a few days later, Brittany was dead. In addition to this documentary, Julia and Angelo are apparently making a biopic about Brittany called Brit. That will be all about her life from childhood to her death. So yeah, I know that might seem confusing. You know, when I read that, I was like, huh? Brittany was being watched by the FBI. It just all seemed a little bit weird. So Brittany's mother, Sharon, spoke out about this. Because, you know, her ex-husband and this girl, Julia, are going around saying that Britney was killed by the government. So, of course, Sharon wanted to speak out about this. Now, at this point, Sharon had made her own movie about Britney's life that was produced by Lifetime. And she just felt like it was weird that Angelo would even be involved in this. I mean, why is he speaking out about Britney when he didn't really know her? Why was he trying to make a movie about her when they weren't close? I mean, in fact, Britney hadn't even been in touch with Angelo for three years before her death. So Sharon just feels like it's a little bit weird. And on top of that, Sharon says that Britney didn't even know Julia and that they had never even met. She also said that Britney never spoke out and supported Julia or, you know, signed anything to show support for her. Their only known interaction was when Julia tried to reach out to Britney and Britney's agent sent back a letter saying that Britney didn't know anything about these claims and that Britney would not be meeting with her. Okay, so that seems to be like pretty solid proof that Britney did not speak out against Homeland Security and that the government was not after her. But Julia thinks that this is all a lie made up by Sharon because she thinks that Sharon doesn't like her because of her relationship with her ex, Angelo. So I don't know. Some people believe that Britney didn't know this woman, Juliet all because there's literally no evidence that they do. It's it's not like they have a photo together to prove that they were friends. So it's been speculated that Julia has been trying to use Britney's death to make money and she somehow was able to trick Angelo into believing that she did know Britney because again, Angelo wasn't in Britney's life and he didn't know who she was associated with. 
which is all crazy to me. I mean, if this woman really is just lying about all of this and is just making up this crazy theory that she knew Britney, that they were close friends, and that Britney was killed because of the government, it's all pretty insane. Now, going back to Britney's father, Angelo, he actually had a sample of Britney's hair tested at a private lab in 2013 because he wanted another toxicology report done. Now, this testing concluded that there were 10 different types of heavy metals found in Britney's hair and that they were all at levels higher than the World Health Organization recommended levels. And the comment on these reports said that these metals logically could have only come from, quote, a third-party perpetrator with likely criminal intent. But apparently, hair dye has heavy metals in it, and Britney dyed her hair a lot. Also, I don't think that they actually tested Simon's hair to see if he also had these same metals. Now, in an interview with Good Morning America, Angelo said, quote, I have a feeling that there was definitely a murder situation here. And he implied that, quote, different family members played a role in Britney's death, maybe insinuating that Sharon had something to do with Britney's death. In October of 2021, HBO released a documentary called What Happened, Britney Murphy. It's a part two documentary that focuses on Britney's life, her career, her emotional journey throughout life, and it also talks about her death. There's a lot of people interviewed in this. Her friends are interviewed, some family members, co-workers, people like that. So if you guys want to learn more about it and just kind of get a different perspective, the documentary was really good. Now, Britney's half-brother, Tony, has come forward with some serious allegations against Sharon. Tony had agreed with his father, Angelo, that Britney had been taken out and that the theory that she died from natural causes was impossible. Now, 13 years later, he revealed that Britney's father's side of the family had tried to find out who had Britney's estate, you know, who took over of all of Britney's things, and you know, where her money was going to after her death. Well, it turns out that it all went to Sharon an editor of a major Hollywood newspaper, and to a diabetes doctor in Miami that Britney had been seeing, which seems just like so random. Like, you know, Tony says that he doesn't even want any of Britney's money, but he just wants justice for his sister. He also mentioned that Britney's butler had quit after calling her house a nut house, and he actually confided in Britney's father about the things that would happen in the house. You know, he just wishes that he could come forward with proof and actually testify. And, you know, he also questioned why Sharon and Simon put Britney in a hot shower to revive her when she collapsed, since that's how you get someone's temperature up, not down. However, it should be noted that in the reports, they say that they put her in cold water, not hot water. Now, as for Brittany's mother, Sharon, she has since stopped talking publicly about her daughter. She now lives a reclusive life under an alias, and she hasn't really said much since then. We don't really know what her opinion about her daughter's death is now. You know, does she still think it was a mold. Does she think something else happened? As for Simon's family, his mother Linda did an interview in 2013 with ABC News, and she basically shared her thoughts on Britney's death and on her son's death. She says that the fact that they both died of the same thing just five months apart raised so many red flags for her, and she's just surprised that it doesn't raise you know, flags for more people. Now, this isn't further investigated because what are the odds that they both died of the same thing? That interview was from 2013, so I'm not sure now in 2023 how she feels about this, you know, if she still thinks that her son's death was questionable. So now let's talk about some things that don't really add up about the case. So how is it possible for Brittany and Simon to get sick from the same thing, you know, from pneumonia, but not Sharon, who again was a lot older than them? On top of that, you know, if Brittany had been sick for so many days, she was struggling to breathe, she had laryngitis, and she just didn't feel well, why wouldn't she go to the hospital? I get that Simon doesn't believe in that type of stuff, but why wouldn't Sharon step in to help her daughter out? 
you know, I feel like any mother that would see their child suffering, not being able to breathe, you know, just bedridden, you would do anything to help them. So it's really confusing why Sharon would also kind of just follow what Simon says, which again kind of leads into him being manipulative. And maybe he did manipulate the both of them so badly that they truly just did whatever he said, because he had also disconnected the phone line from the house. Now, Brittany didn't have a cell phone anymore. She didn't have her email. Now she didn't have a house phone. It seems like she was basically just isolated in this house. And whatever Simon wanted to do was what they would do. Now, going back to that, you know, Simon says that he believed in a more holistic approach. And that's why he didn't want to take her to the hospital or to the doctor. But at the same time, he had 90 prescription drugs you know, found in his room. So he had all this medication and pills. They even had Tylenol. And then he also passed away with all these drugs in his system. So I feel like that kind of debunks his perspective of having a holistic approach. Because, you know, if you are doing only holistic things, you don't take Tylenol, you don't take cold medication, nothing. So why was he saying that? But then having all these pills and medications in his house. So there's just like so many questions that people have and just so many unanswered things and doubts. And to a lot of people, this just seems like a mystery. Now, the last film that Britney did was a horror slash thriller movie called Something Wicked. I was watching the trailer for the movie and it looked really scary and just kind of weird. So it's really sad to see Britney in it, knowing that she never even got to see how the movie came out. The editor and the writer says that it took them four years to edit this movie because they wanted to display Britney's best work since this was her final performance ever. They stated that while they were looking at the footage and just putting the movie together, they cried. It was so emotional just seeing her on screen and hearing her voice, knowing that she was gone now and that they were never going to experience her on camera ever again. One of the last interviews that Britney did was with Access Hollywood, and this was near the end of the year, just a couple of weeks before New Year's. So they asked her, what are your New Year's resolutions? And Britney looked so happy answering this question. She had this big, beautiful smile on her face and and she said that her New Year's resolution was to have a child by next year. She wanted to be a mother. You know, she wanted to have a baby and start this new chapter of her life. Then unfortunately, 17 days later after that interview, Brittany died. She never got to become a mother. You know, she never got to live the fullest, most joyful life possible. And just watching that interview, you know, breaks your heart because you can see how happy the thought of being a mother made her. But all right, you guys, I know that was a lot of information to go over. I feel like I could go on and on about this because as soon as you dig in deep into one part of the case, then you just like fall down a rabbit hole. Either way, it just breaks my heart, you know, of what Brittany had to go through from her childhood to the way that she was treated by Hollywood to her death, everything. If anything, I think what happened to Britney can be a reminder of the mistreatment that she went through in Hollywood and how even though years have passed since she entered the industry, there are still people going through the same type of judgment today. You know, at the grocery store, I always see these tabloid magazines and the covers say, you know, Khloe Kardashian weight gain or Jason Momoa looks fat, you know, things like that. And it's like, why does that matter? Like, seriously, why do people care if Jason Momoa gained weight? You know, writing articles about people's bodies is so disgusting and inappropriate. You actually can watch so many interviews of people saying that Britney was not pretty and that she was the ugly girl in movies. And can you imagine how Britney felt hearing all of those things said about her? That she wasn't pretty and that she wasn't fuckable? 
I mean, seeing her weight loss and her transformation is truly shocking. While she claims that she did not have an eating disorder, I mean, you never know. Maybe she was doing things to try to conform to Hollywood standards. It's just really sad, and based on what everyone says, she had such a beautiful soul, and she was truly a kind person. She was an amazing actress. She was absolutely beautiful. And the fact that, again, people said that she wasn't the traditional type of Hollywood beautiful is crazy. I just know to this day, so many people have questions about what actually happened to her and if her death was an accident or if it was more than that. I would definitely love to know your thoughts about this. I mean, what do you guys think actually happened? Definitely leave me a comment under my YouTube video with all of your thoughts and questions. And thank you guys so much for being here and for taking the time to listen to what happened to Brittany Murphy. Don't forget to follow, rate, and review what happened wherever you get your podcasts and subscribe to my channel, True Crime Jackie, on YouTube for full video episodes. You can find me on Instagram at the Jackie Flores and on TikTok at True Crime Jackie. Bye, guys.